Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. Uh, it says this. Ah, I can't read the verse yet. I got to tell you my title. I got a title for the message. Some titles, it's like, ah, I just do a title at the end. Some titles are some messages I'm really excited about. I'm really excited about today's title. Y'all ready for the title of today's message? Today's message is entitled, That's Somebody's Daughter. That's what I was expecting. That's a good title, right? That makes you want to know what he preached about. Huh? That, that's, that's somebody's daughter. Here we go. Verse 21 says this. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Come on, read that word with me. My my daughter. It's not me I'm asking for. It'd be okay if you ignored me and it was me. It's not my neighbor. It's not my cousin. It's Jesus is my child. Any parents in this room, any parents watching online understand it just hits different. When it's my, you can do whatever you want to do to me, but, but don't mess with my baby. So my daughter is severely demon possessed, but, but he, Jesus, answered her not a word. He, he ignored her. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, get rid of her. Send her away. She's annoying. For she cries out after us. Jesus answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and she said, here I will worship. Come on now. You know the word worship literally means to lay prostrate before. This doesn't mean she sang to him. It means she got as low as she can at his feet. She said, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. He he called her a dog. That's when I would have got up. I'd have done the little worship thing just to see if I could manipulate him into healing my daughter, but I'm in the brokenest state of my life, and you gonna call me out my name? And she said, Yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which which fall from them. It's my daughter. And when you're talking about my kid, you can call me. Whatever you want to call me, as long as you heal her. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very... Somebody say amen for the reading of God's word. Father God, we're grateful, God. We say, here we will bow down and say that we need you. Here we worship, God, and say that we love you. God, we're coming after you in this moment because we know that you have all that we stand in need of. 
God, speak to us. God, transform us. God, heal us. God, inspire us. Take us one step closer to the plan, the purpose, the destiny that you have for us. And we will be ever so careful to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In the matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. There are um, certain people in life. Look at somebody next to you and say, he's not talking about you. He's not talking about you. He's not. It's not. He's not. It's not you. It's not you. It's, it's, it's a people, you know. Certain people in life that see every relationship as a transaction. Everybody that I interact with, everybody that I call friend, even family members, for some reason, I don't know if they were dropped as a child, I don't know quite what happened, but something got jacked up and they can only see relationships for what they can get out of them. You don't know anybody like that, do you? No, no, it's not. It's just, like I said, it's nobody in the room. It's people that other church down the street where... We're praying for them. God's going, God's going to do something. No, no, no. They, they, they literally see it as, I, I'm only going to deal with you if there's something that you have that I want. Or if there's something that I want that you can help me get. Or, or God help you if you have some type of influence or, or you have some type of connections or whatever it may be. And, and they think, well, well, by being around you, it makes me look great. It, it, it makes me feel better about myself. And, and this relationship is actually has nothing to do with how I can help you, how I can bless you, how I can love you, how I can be there. For, it, it's just what can I get out of it? And it's really, really difficult when you have these type of people in your life because even when they do something nice for you, you know that there's strings attached. You, you, you ever got a gift from somebody and you just knew this is going to come up again? You, you, you're going to find a way to remind me. Remember back when I got you for dinner? Remember you left your car at home and I covered? Yes. It was 20 years ago. We were at McDonald's. It wasn't that big a deal. I just, they, they just don't know how to see relationships outside of what do I get out of it. And it's so sad because little do they spend time thinking, how am I a blessing to that person? What is it that they need that I can provide? What, what is it that's in their world that I can make happen? We probably should try to avoid these people at all costs. You think? You think some of y'all skeptical. You're like, he's setting us up. I, I don't trust this man. I don't know. I don't know where he's going with this. It's because you know how I preach. I, I, I did set you up because if I were to be honest, that's, that's what a lot of relationships look like with Jesus. It's, little do we spend time thinking of how I can be a blessing to him. Little do we spend time thinking, God, what do you need? that I can provide. If you would step back, this is heresy, but help me here. If you would step back and take God out of heaven and just make it two friends and evaluate that relationship, every time the phone rings, I need a healing. Make me laugh. I'm overwhelmed. 
kill my boss. No, don't pray that one. Don't pray that one. Don't pray that one. <laughs> Even though you know you've prayed that one. <laughs> you ever had a 30-minute conversation with somebody? And they told you everything that was going on in their life? And then when they were done, they, they were pulling. Thank you. I just needed somebody that can, that can listen to me. All right, talk to you later. What about me? What about my? But I want to not talk about you, just talk about Stephen Chandler. How many times do I pray for 30 minutes and outside of dear Jesus and amen? It's all part of the problem is we don't really think that God needs anything. We don't think we have anything to offer him. We don't think that we could bless. Outside of maybe a blessing, praise, you're great God, you the man, hail, hail, line of Judah. <laughs> Behold, he comes riding on a cloud. I mean, I'm in the 90s right now. I don't. <laughs> there's no God like Jehovah. I mean, besides a quick praise, or maybe we think all God wants from us is to stop sinning. Get your act together. I, 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 what I can do for him is stop being a pain in his neck. If I, if I could just get me together. I, I, but, but it never crosses our mind that there's actually something God needs that he can't do for himself, that he needs us to do. Don't think about God. And I'm getting back into manipulation. This isn't good. And, but, but think about somebody outrageously influential. And think about that outrageously influential individual who has a need that you can meet. This sounds like manipulation. It is manipulation, but just think about it for a second. Imagine where it places you in that person's life. If you're the one that's meeting a need that nobody else can meet. Matthew chapter 15, we, we, we find this Canaanite woman who has a daughter who is demon-possessed, who, who is controlled by the enemy. And I don't know how she found out that demons tremble at the name of Jesus because he hadn't even gone to the cross yet. He, he hadn't even gone to hell and snatched the keys of hell, death, and the grave from Satan. But, but somehow word spread that, 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 that he was where freedom was found. And she goes and she makes her way to Jesus and, and she, I don't know where she found him, but, but, but she found him and, and she started to cry out to him, which, which begins to tell me that maybe she, she was on the edge of the crowd, that there were always people hovering around Jesus and he was always talking, he was always preaching and, and, and then she starts to shout, Jesus, son of David, I, I have a daughter that, that's demon possessed and I need your help. The Bible says that Jesus did not respond. It's the type of preaching I don't like. Preach to me on how he always hears me. 
preached to me that verse where he says he understands my groans and my utterances. Even before I could form words, he knows and he's work. I want to, even before you got a problem, God's working on your solution. I can shout over that. I cannot shout over, even as you're talking, he's ignoring you. That's what I will not say amen to because I need him to. And, and, and here's what you have to understand about, about God. He is always working on five things at the same time. They, they, they have these things called teaching hospitals. And it's where they have, uh, it's a hospital and there's patients and doctors and all that other kind of stuff. But there's residents in there that are learning and training to, to become doctors as well. And, and if you've ever been in a teaching hospital, it's a little awkward because you're there, you're sick, you're in the bed or whatever it may be. And the doctor comes in and they said, hey, I've got some residents with me. Do you mind if they come in and observe? And you're like, actually... I do mind. I'm in a little bit of a vulnerable space right now. I'd really like if you would just help me out. And I would like if the looky-loos were not in this room. <laughs> Go teach somewhere. Is it okay if God uses your story as a teaching moment for other people? You may be so honed in on God. Here's what I need to get done. But, but you've got to understand while God's healing your body, he's teaching your family of how good he is. How While he's providing for you at work, he's teaching you that it doesn't matter who comes against you as long as God is for you. We've got to be secure enough to know that he is always good so when he doesn't respond the way that we think he should respond, he must be up to something. And he is dealing with this woman and he's teaching his disciples at the same time because the problem is Jesus would never ignore but the church would. And when she's crying out and Jesus pretends like he doesn't hear her, the disciples should have ran to her. But they were perfectly okay ignoring her, thinking Jesus was doing the same. And what he was doing in that moment is he was exposing the hearts, can I say something, of his church that has become deaf to the cries of the oppressed and the broken. And he's trying to help them understand, don't you ignore another cry. You see, as you look through the Gospels, the disciples were constantly shocked when Jesus spoke to the unlikely. When he was at the well speaking to the Samaritan woman, why are you talking to this woman? She's an outsider and she's a woman and boy does she got a story. Why are you dealing with her? And they had not yet understood that Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost. I didn't come for those who have it together. I didn't come for those who are self-sufficient. I came for broken humanity that they can find freedom in me. He was teaching his disciples something and he was teaching the church something about pursuing Jesus. Says that she cried out, Jesus, can you do something? He ignored. And it says the disciples got annoyed. They said, Jesus, make her go away. She won't stop shouting. And I'm just preaching to myself. I, I began to think, Stephen, how many times have you stopped shouting at God because somebody got annoyed with your pursuit? 
how many times have, have you let your worship of God kind of stay in a box because you didn't want to elbow the person next to you or because this person thought you were a little extra or it doesn't take all that. It, you, you'd be amazed what's firing through our mind when we're in the presence of God. You ever got down on your knees in worship, maybe a catalyst or whatever it may be, and the first thought through your mind is, my underwear showing? I'm the only one? Not the king is here. Not healing is in the room. Not, not, not creator God is, is me. No. Come on now. And some of our pursuit of God looks like I need God, but not too badly because I don't want people around me to think that I don't have it all together and I'm broken and I'm needy and all this other kind of stuff. So, so I, Jesus, you're great. You're awesome. This woman did not care who got annoyed. She didn't care who looked. She didn't care. Jesus! <laughs> because there's something about a mother's love. If I'm crying out for myself, then yeah, you can hush me and I'll chill out. If I'm coming just because I need some money or need a raise, no, this is, this is my <laughs> don't, don't mess with the mother's love. I mean, homie, an axe murderer. Then just went up all and down the East Coast, just taking people out. Mama on the news, but he a good boy, I promise you. He's, he, he's just been through a lot, but my baby, that's not who he is. I, I, <laughs> you interviewed a dad? Yeah, he did it. Lock him up. I was like, no, that's my baby. He just got in with the wrong crowd. It was his friends. It, it was the influence. <laughs> There's something about a mother's love that if my kid is not okay, not even Jesus will keep me from finding a solution. And the whole time he was setting up this moment to show us what real desperate pursuit looks like. For Jairus, as he had to went to the house and, and he laid hands on the daughter. For, for people, he spit and, and put mud on their eyes. And for some, he, no, he said, because of your faith, this very second, she's healed before you even get back to the room where the problem... There is a pursuit of Jesus that sends a miracle ahead of you and puts you in a position where God says, you're so desperate and I'm so impressed by your faith. I'm going to get there before you get there. It's somebody's daughter. It's somebody's daughter. It's some, and when it's not my daughter, it's an annoyance. But when it's my daughter, it's life or death. Here's the thought that somebody's daughter is his daughter. That somebody's son is his son. And people crying out for help may not sound like my daughter is demon possessed. It may sound like, did you cut in front of the line of me at Target? Get out my way. Oh my you talking to me? 
And if how much you just see, if I were to be honest, I get insy weensy. Okay, I get a lot annoyed <laughs> by random people, by ignorant people, by annoying people. And this week, God convicted me and said, "You're so annoyed because it's not your kid. It's my kid, and they're lost." And, and I'm looking for someone that can help me find my lost children. And Stephen, I'm concerned that my church loves to worship and loves to lift their hands and, and loves to pursue God and, and loves to fast and loves to pray and, and loves to believe for miracles and loves to tithe and loves to do outreach. And they love to do church. They just don't love my lost Kids, and I'm just wondering if somehow we got this thing off track and we made this about what our friend can do for us and, and not what we can do for our. The Bible says that Jesus never sleeps nor he slumbers, which, which means one of two things. Either he doesn't need sleep, which we all know is true. Somebody say amen. Or that he's so worried he can't sleep. Which is not true, but it's a, an analogy. That if anything were keeping Jesus up at night, it's what would keep you up at night if your kid did not come home when they were supposed to be home. Jesus said, I've got some kids that didn't come home last night. And a matter of fact, I am going to delay everybody's entrance into heaven. Until I could find him. Peter wrote about this. And he says, we say, God makes all these promises. And he made all these promises. He, he, he said, I'm going to come with twinkling the eye. I'm going to crack the sky and come right on a white horse with a sword and truth. And we, we got all, he's coming. He's coming. When? Here's what he said in first, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. It says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness. But he is suffering a long time towards us. Not willing that any of his children should perish, but that all should come home, should come to repentance. As I close, I'm going to give you just three quick thoughts. Three quick thoughts of, of, of why is it, not talking about you, just talking about Stephen Chandler. Why is it that Stephen can be more annoyed with unbelievers? Not spending a lot of time that, that they are all God's children, saved or unsaved. And that he's really worried about the ones that have not yet come home. First thing is this, write this down, write this down. I, I said you, but that would be a little condescending. So let me just say me. Uh, one of the things I've realized is, is, is I don't really think about God's lost children because I am overwhelmed by life. Like my, my problems, my issues are so overwhelming that, that I don't really have the bandwidth to think about anything or anybody else. You know the Bible says thou shalt not lie, right? Then why do we keep lying to ourselves? Come on, have you ever tell yourself this lie? When life slows down. Come on, come on, you ever say that? Soon as life slows down, I'm going to eat cleaner. I'm just at Chick-fil-A every day because it's busy, but, but as soon as it slows down, I'm eating my vegetables again. And, and, and as soon as things slow, I'm going to go on vacation. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm running. This, I know. As soon as, things, as soon as life slows down, I'm going to go visit my family. You know that family that always says I never come and I don't ever come, but I, I tell them I'm busy. 
We, I, I went skiing, y'all, for the first time. It looked like a raisin and oatmeal. It was great. I was, <laughs> probably should have said that, right? Anyway, it was, it was great. I went out there and got my little ski lesson. And First of all, if you haven't been skiing, it, it takes two hours just to get the equipment on. By the time I got all the equipment on, I was like, I'm ready to go take a nap. This is... It is exhausting. And go out in a little little bunny hill. It had like a half a degree slope. And I was like, I got this. And I mastered the bunny hill. Then I went on the, the little green hill. That's where all the three-year-olds ski. So I'm out there with the three-year-olds. I get on the green hill. And then after the green hill, I was like, I got this. So I was like, I'm going to the top of the mountain. Going up to the high so I kind of, right, I took my skis off and I walked over to the ski lift and said, you can't get on the ski lift without your skis on. So it took me 30 minutes just to get my skis back on and I get in line and I shuffle up to the deal. And you ever see one of them ski lifts where they have the chair that comes and, and it takes you up the mountain? I'm like, all right, I got this. I got this. And I'm like, all right, let me know when the chair stops so I can sit down. Y'all are doing what those mean people at the ski lift did. Why are you laughing at me? Because you probably knew what I... It don't stop. You just got to... <laughs> y'all nearly lost the pastor, y'all. They didn't really explain nothing to me. So I barely get in the ski lift and this thing's dragging me up Mount Everest and I didn't know that I was supposed to close the bar over me after. So bars, oh yeah, right? You pray. I'm holding on to the side like, dear Jesus, this is why we don't do stuff like this. This is grace. I nearly went to meet Jesus. It wasn't until about halfway up the mountain I realized, oh, I've got to close it. I feel so much safer right now. So I get to the top of the mountain, and, and, and okay, surely they're going to stop it for me to get off. And I realize if it don't stop for you to get on, it doesn't stop for you to get off. Your, your ski experience starts now. I open up the gate. I'm like, one foot of money, two. <laughs> and I just kind of lunged off. One ski went this way. One ski went that way. But I didn't die. <laughs> then I had to figure out how to get down the mountain. I'll tell you that part of the story. Y'all, life don't stop. And we're lying to ourselves saying, when things slow down, then I'll be able to think about what bothers Jesus. When I, 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 know, I know that coworker doesn't know Jesus. I, I know that family member. When life's, it's not slowing down. Preach is good, pastor, but I got issues. I got, I got health concerns for my daughter's sick. And work is this. If it's not going to slow down, how does God ever expect me to worry about my life and what he's concerned about at the same time? He doesn't expect that. Matthew chapter 6 verse 31 says this, therefore, don't worry about what we shall eat or what we shall drink or what we shall wear. For after all these things, people who don't know Jesus seek. 
for your heavy. He knows. He, he, he knows. He knows that you need all things. Watch this. But seek first what breaks his heart. And hit. Tell me, can I preach it? Worry about winning your first soul before you worry about making your first million. Worry about all of your cousins' names being written in the Lamb's Book of Life before you worry about your middle schooler's name being written on the honor roll. He needs seek first my kingdom and my. Here's what he said, and I will add. Here's the, I'm just I'm just a picture guy. Can I give you a picture? Imagine a billionaire, not a millionaire, billionaire with a B. Did you get that? Billion. He said, hey, I've got a son that I can't find. If you help me find my son, I'll pay your mortgage till you find him. Take care of your car note. If you ever have any medical concern, I'll, anything you need in your life, I will take care. I just need you to help. Some of y'all just, that sounds like a full-time job. I would, are there benefits? Can I work from home? I would. Do we have more faith in a billionaire than we have in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that said, hey, if you help me find my lost children, I will take care of everything and I won't even make your work for it. I'll add it on to your life. Imagine you have a child that's lost and you go to your, hey, can you, can you help me find my child? And they said, I would love to, but work is overwhelming. I'd love, I'd love to, but you, you know, I'm a little behind on my pro. As soon as I catch up on my projects, then, then, then I'll, 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 I would love to, but man, my marriage, it's just stressful right now. I don't even like dealing with my spouse, more or less talking to strangers about where your kid went. And here's the goal of the enemy. If I can keep the Christian so focused on them, if I can keep the Christians so overwhelmed by their next problem, their next issue, if I can keep them believe, oh, this is not a fun message, but it's going to be, if I can keep them believing the lie that it's going to get easier next month, that the chairlift is going to slow down in June, you, you just make it to June, and I say, I'll slow it down. Matter of fact, I'll take care of it if you would focus on what... Second thing is this, write this down. Well, I'm not talking about you, just talking about me. I'm not concerned about what God's concerned about because I don't really see people as lost. Now, it's not funny to joke about divorce, but sometimes it is. Um, <laughs> it's not funny. You know. there, there's one phrase that I think is the potential to break apart every marriage. And that phrase is, did you look the last place you put it? It's not funny, but it's funny. You can laugh. And it usually comes from women. I don't know why you people do that. Any men, you ever called your wife at work or shot her a text? Maybe she was upstairs. Hey, babe. Have you seen my, fill in the blank, 
car keys, wallet, child, whatever it may be that we lost today. She responds, did, did you look the last place you put it? Jesus said, woman, so so can I. Woman, <laughs> if it was the last place I put it, it wouldn't be lost. <laughs> and I wouldn't be asking you. I'm asking, do you know something I don't know? I just wonder one time if, if Jesus is saying, hey, have you found my lost son? He, he hasn't been to church in 20 years. He, he hasn't spoken to me. I, I don't know where. He, and I feel sometimes as a church we respond. Jesus, did you look the last place you put him? The, did you look the last place you put him? Leads me to believe that you didn't look hard enough. That it's, it's, not a, it's not a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my kids, my kids, they eat TV remotes. I don't know what it is. I don't even know how they swallow them. But they just, they, they are always losing a TV remote. And I'll, I'll, I'll come and they're all sitting down. They're watching something on television that makes me want to jump out of a window. And, and I, you know, I sit down and I watch with them for three minutes. And I realize, like, I pay the mortgage. They don't. I don't have to watch this. They can go somewhere else. I say, hey, Zoe, Roman, even Jay, she can't speak, but she knows the TV remote. looks like, where's the TV remote? And and I'll be lucky if I get a response. I'll be lucky if I get a... And then they call me crazy for ripping the TV out the wall and doing what I do. Anyway... I need to come back to preaching. This just turned into a therapy session. I feel like God is saying to the church, have you seen my lost children? And our response is, did you look the last place you put them? Or even worse. And it's because we don't really think they're lost. And the reason why we don't really think they're lost is because lost people don't look lost. Lost people look fine. Like they're having the time of their life. They, they laughing, they joke, they breathing, they walking. They... We think lost is I buried a loved one and now I'm thinking about taking my life. I need help. We think lost is I've got some addiction that's overwhelming and I'm about to lose my wife and my kids and my family. And, and the, oh, you need Jesus. Okay, so everybody in my house is alive. I have no addiction. Do I now not need? We think lost people aren't lost because they don't know that they're lost. And lost people don't know that they're lost because everybody that they know is. Everybody, right? We all walk in and say, yeah, I'm overwhelmed, but so are they. Yeah, I have no peace, but neither do they. Yeah, I'm constantly trying to make my place in this world and feel like I matter and I belong. But that's, that's life, right? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13, and, and he- heaven can be entered only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell. Y'all, I agonized over, do I use the translation that says Hades? Do I use the translation that says the highway to destruction? Because there's some translation that softened this. Verse. I'm like, no, let me just read it. The highway to hell is broad. 
and his gate is wide enough for all the multitudes, watch this, who choose its easy way. It's real easy. This is a tough message. How do I go to hell? Just leave an easy life. It's hard to stay faithful to the one you married for 40, 50 years. It's easy to be the king and I go from flower to flower to flower. Some of y'all get that classic later. It's hard to have self-control. I said, nope, I won't have another one. That's my limit. It's easy to say. It's St. Patrick's Day. I don't even know what that means. But I wear green. I know a guy named Patrick, so let's go. And one of the problems is we've lost the understanding of the language of the lost. So because they're not screaming, I'm David possessed. Instead, they're screaming stuff like, I only sleep two hours a night because I got to secure the bag. No, you lost. I have no peace. I'm looking for something that makes me feel. This is all language of I need help. One of the reasons a lot of Christians, and I'm going to land this plane, we don't understand how a good God can send people to hell. We've got our theology all mixed up because we think only bad people go to hell. Can we have a theological class just for a second? Y'all ready for this? Here we go. Hell wasn't made for humans. Hell was only made for Satan and his demons. It was, God says it is not his will that any man should pay. So lesson number one, hell's not for people. Hell is for Satan and his demons. Ready for lesson number two? God doesn't send anybody to hell. Let's go back to Matthew. What did it say? It says there's a highway there. Didn't say there was a chain gang. People go there of their own choosing. Nobody there was sent by God. Everybody there decided that's where I want to go. Who would decide that? The person that nobody warned them that there's a price for how you're living. And either you let Jesus pay the price or you've got to pay the price yourself. And as people are heading to pay their own price, the church is supposed to be shouting, it's been paid already. You don't have to. It's been paid already. You don't have to. But, but instead, we sit back and we say, but they look so happy. Oh, but they have their own faith. Oh, but I'm at work. I don't want to cross church and state. Who do you think came up with don't cross church and state? What about Romans 8, 6, 23 says this, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our You ever had your kid go up to pay for something at Chick-fil-A or whatever it may be, and right before they get there, you hand them cash? He said, hey, I, here, here, there's a charge for what you're about to get, but here you go. I got it. 
I've covered it. I've, I've paid it. it. It's our job as a church to shout from the mountaintop. Hey, that sin that you're ashamed of, the price has already been paid. That mistake that you made, the price has already been paid. That life that you lived before you knew that Christ loved, it's all, it's all, you, you don't have to pay it. It's already been paid. Sean, come play. Land is, can, I, I don't have I don't know if I've preached a gospel message in a long time. We're going to go a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole and we're going to pop up and it's going to be good. Can I give you, in my opinion, the scariest verse in the Bible to a believer? Y'all asked for it. Y'all said, yeah, I want it. Let's go. It's Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18. This, this one, this, Jesus said, if I warn the wicked saying you are under the penalty of death. Don't play yet because you can't have music to soften this. This is just this one of them just take it. If I warn the wicked saying you are under the penalty of death but you fail to deliver the warning they will die in their sins. Watch this. And I will hold you responsible. That's a lie, y'all. Now, that's the one I, I did pick the soft translation on that one. I, I said they can't handle the gangster. You know what the gangster translation said? It says their blood is on your hands. Yes, everybody must make their own decision. But God said, I sent you to warn your cousin. Your son, your daughter, your spouse, your co- I sent you. They, they don't know. If I had more time to preach, I'd preach a passage in Luke where, where a man actually went to hell and he was shouting, can I just get a drip of water? And I, I thirst. And, and Abraham was there. And now I'm preaching it. I just said I'm going to preach it. Abraham was there with Lazarus. And, and he said, there's a chasm between heaven and hell. We can't come. And here's what the man said. He said, well, send somebody to tell my family. I didn't know this is where I went. But you got to warn them so they don't end up the same place. He said, we, we didn't know this is where rejecting Jesus got us. I need somebody to, to warn me. Last thing is this. Write this down. Now you can play. <laughs> Transparent moment. I'm the senior pastor of a church. My number one mission is to help people meet Jesus. Union Church, it's our number one mission. It's to help people meet Jesus. Why? Because hell is real. I'd love to fix your marriage. But that's not number one. I'd love to fix your money. But you know you go to heaven with bad money? At least you made it. I'd love you to fulfill your destiny, to feel fulfilled. But you can make it to heaven unfulfilled. All that stuff is important. It's the number one reason we exist. It's not even... If we put food in people's belly and leave their soul empty. All we did was inoculate them on their journey away from Jesus. All that stuff matters, but number one is what have you done 
with Jesus. If I'd be honest with you, in a 12-month period, there's seasons where it breaks my heart that people don't know Jesus. And then there's seasons where if I'd be honest and I'm repenting, I don't think much about it. I've got distracted. I've got worried. I've got bogged down. There's there's all this stuff in my my life going on. or, Or I get so used to laughing with my friends that I forget that my friends don't know the Jesus that last reason I forget is because I've forgotten the joy of my own salvation. I forgot how grateful and excited I am to be in the number. And when you forget the price that was paid for you, you forget the fact that other people have a price that needs to be paid for them. When I forget that the greatest thing that has ever happened to me on planet Earth was not the birth of Zoe, Roman, or Jade, was not the marriage to my amazing wife, but the fact that once I was blind and now I can see, once I was dead and now I'm alive, and the second I lose sight of that, everything else gets distorted. David said this. He said, God, I need you to clean my heart up because it's gotten bogged down with a lot of foolishness. He said, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a focused spirit in me. He said, don't cast me away from your presence and don't take your Holy Spirit. I like this part. He said, and restore to me. One translation says the joy of when I first believed. He said, I want to get back to the place where I felt for the first time I'm free. I'm accepted. I'm I'm forgiven. I I don't have to prove anything to anybody because he's he's washed me. David, David said, I need that joy. Some of us have forgotten the joy of our salvation because life has been life in. And I've been praying over this message today that one thing would happen, that you would fall in love with your salvation again, that you would get giddy all over the fact that I didn't earn it, I don't deserve it. Matter of fact, if you look at my resume, everything said that Jesus should not accept me, but yet he loved me enough to die for me, to lay his life down for my sin, for my freedom. And as far as the east is from the west, he has removed... I'm grateful. For some of us, God is restoring our joy of salvation. For some of us, we never had it. Some of us can't put a finger on the overwhelming moment where we gave our life to Jesus. Pastor, I was raised in church. I'm not going to say I've always been a Christian. I remember when I walked the aisle, but... But I've kind of always been here. I never woke up drunk in a bush before in my life. Waited for marriage. I know some jacked up people and I ain't one of them. Remember growing up, I used to sing Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved such a nice person as me. I rewrote the hymn because I never saw myself as a wretch. Not realizing that the Bible says your best is as filthy rags. If you were the only person on earth, your sin was enough to put him on that cross. So 
Some of us, God's going to restore our joy of salvation. Some of us, we're going to sense a joy of salvation for the first time because we're going to realize it's not my performance. It's not my action. It's not the fact that I've always had it together. It is his blood shed on the cross that allows me to keep my head up straight in spite of who I used to be and still tend to be sometimes on an off day. It is because of the Holy Spirit inside of me that I am allowed to say I am counted as one. Somebody say amen. amen. The Apostle Paul wrote often. He said, I am Paul, the chief of sinners. He didn't say, I am Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Listen, if I was Paul, I would introduce myself. My name is Paul, dead razor, demon slayer, the anointed of the Lord. That would be my introduction. No. He said, I'm Paul, and I'm the greatest proof of God's grace because no one was as jacked up as… Do you know when he wrote it, it was about 30 years after he got saved? 30 years later, Paul was still reminding himself, I don't deserve any of this. This is nothing short of the grace and favor of God. Union Church, your marriage is going to be blessed. Your money is going to be blessed. Your kids are going to be blessed. You're going to be fulfilled. You're going to fulfill the destiny and the call of God on your life. Somebody say amen. amen. But none of that is going to come before our number one mission of helping lost people be found, blind people eyes open, dead people coming to life in Christ. We will keep the main thing, the main thing. Father God, we're grateful, God. We're thankful for your blood that was shed on the cross so that we could be accepted into your family. God, I'm praying that you would restore the joy of when we first believed. God, I'm praying that some of us would experience the joy of salvation for the first time because we realize how lost we really were. God, I'm praying that you would break our heart. God, for the sons, for the daughters of yours that are lost. God, break our heart for what breaks yours. While we're sitting with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, to make this message personal to you. For some of you, God's going to bring cousins and siblings and children and spouses and parents through your mind. Hey, this is a person I need you to focus on. I need you, I need you to warn them. For some of you, on the sound of my voice, if you'd be honest, you would say, Pastor, I can't say that I've ever accepted the payment of my sin from Jesus. Maybe you're like me and you grew up in church. Because you grew up in church, you think you grew up a Christian. And you realize you met the church long before you ever met the God of the church. Maybe you're new to an atmosphere like this and you didn't even know God wanted something from you other than to try to be perfect. He doesn't want you to try to be perfect. He wants you to accept him into your life, to be a part of his blood-washed family. If you say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus in my life. I need his forgiveness. I need the joy of salvation. Right where you're sitting, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for seeing me, for loving me, for not rejecting me, but accepting me. Thank you for dying on the cross, shedding your blood 
as the payment for my sin and my mistakes. Today, I repent. I give you all of me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Hey, can we take about 60 seconds? Can we praise God for the blood of Jesus that is on our life? This is a moment to open up your mouth, to lift your hands and to say, thank you, Jesus. God, we bless you. God, we magnify you. We are grateful, grateful, grateful. God, we're grateful for your sacrifice that purchased our freedom. If you believe it, somebody shout amen.